Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. And welcome to the Get With It podcast. Today I have a special co-host, Larry Scott, my co-worker. Uh, yeah. How's everyone doing? From Xpeed, who had so much advice on his December 3rd podcast that uh, we had to, Darren and I decided to bring him back for his expertise. On Darren, air quotes. Darren, <laughs> yeah. But we have with us today Connie Matthews. And she's a cybersecurity guru. Can we call you that? Sure. Okay, yes, let's call you that. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, Connie, tell us all about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited uh, to continue the conversation around women and in information security. So a little bit about myself. I started my career 16 years ago in InfoSec and was very fun and challenging. I a lot of times was the only female in the room um, for several years. And I've always been passionate about working with women and minorities to encourage a variety of people so that it's not just the same face in cybersecurity that we've seen in the past. And I'm proud to say that through the 16 years of some of the outreach and things I've done, I've seen probably close to 25 to 30% increase in women and minorities in the cybersecurity field, though it's not where it needs to be. Uh, we're making positive movement towards that. So again, 16 years doing this. Uh, I've worked with Fortune 10 to 1,000, Fortune 100,000 companies, as well as small and mid-sized companies throughout the, the country. And it's really all about working with teams to figure out how do we build their security posture and help businesses secure their infrastructure and their applications in cloud. Wow. I got a question. Uh, you can tear it up, Larry. 16 years ago. How did, how did that happen? Like getting into InfoSec, like what, how did you lead up to that? Did you just wake up one morning? Like I want to get into Connie's only, security. she was only 16 at the time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> she woke up and she was like, I think you I'm going to skip. Do? Yeah. So it was interesting. So about 25 years ago, I actually decided to go into IT. And when I graduated from high school, I've always been somewhat of a gadget girl. And I always liked computers. We like computers. to call it geek it out. Yeah, geek it out for sure. Geek it out. Um, always loved gadgets. And so I bought my first computer when I was 18 years old. Oh, which and one was it? Yeah. And? It was really old. Like, it was uh, IBM PS486, I think. Okay. I and I believe that... Larry um, is totally Googling that right yeah. now. <laughs> so what's funny about that is, you know, our cell phones actually are way more powerful, and the modem on that computer was 1,400. Mm. So literally, you could go to the bathroom, make dinner, and you might have the computer turned on when I got on the internet back Oh, wow. <laughs> And the internet was very beep, limited. Beep, 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 beep. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was in IT and I really liked it. And I was kind of doing infrastructure, app development, and a lot of the soft skills, business analyst, systems analyst, and working with companies to build out programs for training and development. 
along with consulting um, as companies went from NT4 to 2000. And then I did that for five years and then security was kind of just starting to come to the horizon and had a really good friend that was a recruiter and he's like, hey, do you, how do you think you would like to do security? And I was like, hey, let's try it. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. I did. And, you know, I can honestly say there were there have been challenges sometimes being the only woman in the room. But I'm a pretty feisty, not afraid to speak my mind kind of person. So it was very quickly people learned that I wasn't going to accept certain behaviors. And I really just spent a lot of time reading, doing research and investing in learning cybersecurity and working with executives to determine what that looked like for their, their organization. So I'm so passionate about trying to help companies mature their security posture and I can't even imagine, honestly, being in any other field. I, lo- I absolutely love it. So challenges. Uh, were they um, challenges being related to you being a female in tech? or? or? So there were a couple. So, nice job, um, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> so that around two women. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. That was my genuine concern. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, there was. So a lot of times, you know, when being the only female if there were conversations, a lot of times men would interrupt me or talk over me. Like this. And, <laughs> <laughs> Darn you. Um, and so, you know, one of the things about six years ago, I actually did an interview um, with women in STEM. And one of the things I talked about was confidence. And a lot of times as a female, I feel like you have to know more than what a man would. But I certainly don't say you have to know everything because no one can know everything. But confidence is such a huge component when you're a minority or a female and out of one, you know, you're one of many um, in an organization. And so because of my personality and, and really striving to do the best that I can, I would always have conversations like, okay, I may not know all the answers, but I'm intelligent. I know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I would say things like, Obviously, what you have to say is really important. So let me know when you're done talking, and then I'll share my concepts or my philosophies on what we're talking about. Um, the other reason I'm such an advocate for women is I've had a weight problem my whole entire life. And so there was in my early career, I was told no one would buy anything because of the way I looked. And I was like, that's insane. And I told my manager that at the time, I'm like, you know, no one will define who I am. I'll define myself. And I said, hey... Let's go a year from now and let's talk about what that looks like. And a year rolled around and there were eight sales folks and I brought in 80% of the revenue to the company. Wow. So I was... Girl is on fire. Right. So I literally, after a year, I told them to put it on their calendars. I went in and I said, I know this is kind of bad, but I said, why don't you should maybe hire more fat people? And I walked out. (laughs) Damn, girl. (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, so I was just one of these people that I, you know, I mean, I was raised in a military family and my dad always said, be confident in who you are and don't ever let anyone define who you are. So for me, kind of going into an industry where I was one of very few women, I love the challenge because I like challenges. But if you fast forward to now, I mean, this, a lot of my biggest advocates have been men. And when I started a women's group around information security many years ago, uh, the biggest advocates actually were men and wow. saying we, we want to find more diversity. And so 
I take a lot of time in sitting down and mentoring women, mentoring minorities, working with underserved programs to help people go into fields where they can actually make a livable wage. And that goes back, we have the same philosophy, Larry. Um, Me and you or? No, get (laughs) with it. And Connie probably (laughs) knows this is get with it is a strong believer that we need to have men at the table with us moving the needle forward. They Mm -hmm. have to be our biggest advocate because they are quite a bit of the population. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) And so we need that positive connection to move forward. And I talk a lot about inclusion because for me, it's, there are groups that are wanting like all women or all men and studies prove that when you have more diverse teams, you can come up with greater ideas. There's more cohesity in the team and inclusion in my mind is really bringing all of the best to people. And someone recently told me, um, this at the last dinner, uh, it was Doug from the city of Dublin. He, he said to me, he goes, Connie, we don't need more men women to think like men. We need women to think like women. Mm. And he said, and it was a very much a compliment. He said, one of the things I love about you the most is you are very much a woman, but you know when to push and you know when to pull. And, you know, you're very influential in this town around cybersecurity. And you did it naturally by just who you are and helping other people and actually making changes happen versus just talking about it. Wow. Do you know Doug? He's the CIO for Dublin. City of Dublin. What's yeah, his last name? M- McCollum. I never no, say it right. That doesn't ring a bell. Um, he's <clears throat> one of our biggest advocates. Yes, he's for awesome. Amazing. Yes, he's a big, big supporter. He has young daughters. And oh, okay, yeah. He feels they should have the same opportunity mm-hmm. as any other man. Mm-hmm. And he will flat out say it like that. His wife is lovely. Yes, too. she is. <laughs> I know it was funny because when I met her, she was like, oh, you're the Connie Matthews. He talks about you all the time. And I was joking. I was like, hopefully it was all good stuff. And she laughed. So, yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. So, Connie spoke at both of the Get With It conferences, the one in Columbus. We had about 745 men and women there. It was fabulous turnout. And Cleveland, we had a little over 200. And it was our first time going to Cleveland. And you talked about cybersecurity at both events, correct? Yes. And? So it was really um, interesting because in... Your group, I don't have as much of a recognized name because it was a lot of IT and app development folks, and I've been in the cyberspace for so long. And I was a little nervous. I didn't know how many women would actually come because the percentage of women in in cyber is pretty small. But I think I had around 65 people in the room, and it was a smaller room, Mm -hmm. and it was standing room only. And really what I talked about is all the different career paths that you can go in in cyber. And I think a lot of people think you have to be a mathematical or scientific genius, which you don't. If you know how to problem solve, that's probably the best. And critical thinking, those two skills are probably the best two things that we look for in the industry. But it was really amazing. I, after that, I talked, several people asked for my presentation. And since then, I think I've had coffee or lunch with over 20 women that want to go into cybersecurity. Oh my God, congratulations, that's fantastic. Yes, and I'm still having meetings with people and encouraging them, and so many women came to me and said, I was so afraid because I just thought of it, you know, like the stereotypical guy in the basement hacker, which is not (laughs) even really what what it's about. It's uh, not anything like that. But, um, you know, 
And I also think the cybersecurity, we have a marketing problem, and I also feel that's a problem in IT. Because when you look at a lot of times what's important in women, it is in IT and it is in security, but it's not like smacking you in the face. So a lot of women want to do something, they make a difference. And if you're a part of a great team, you're protecting assets of the United States and global companies to make sure there isn't loss. Because anytime there's a loss, we all know that that makes impact on jobs and a lot of other things. So you do have impact, but it's not as, it's not so close to your face that you have to kind of think about it differently. And so one of the things I talked about in the, in the talks was that you can make a difference and you can have passion and you can have all those things that are important to you, but it looks a little different than what you're used to seeing. That's uh, one of my questions is going to be, uh, even as a male in this industry, uh, IT industry as a whole, what would a typical, um, a job headline look like for a cybersecurity person. I don't. I don't think it would just say cybersecurity person wanted. Would it? Would you like? What are some keywords or something that you might see in a job posting like that? So in secu- security, you have multiple roles. I mean, you have the technical roles. You have go- governance, risk, and compliance. You have threat intelligence. You have forensics. You have incident response. You have awareness and education and training. So the, the titles kind of vary with a variety of skill sets, and there are a lot of positions that are looking for specific tools that you may know. And then there are some that they're looking at, like I said, the problem solving and critical thinking. A lot of what we do in security is the issues aren't black and white. They're very gray. So you could, do, you could work within 20 different companies, and how they do security, what security looks like can be very different in every organization because it's really based on risk and what risks people are willing to accept. So again, when you tie all those things in, there's something for everyone if they really wanted to try to go into cyber. Wow. It's intimidating. Yeah, I think so from my standpoint. I I feels like there's a lot of liability. (laughs) 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 It seems like uh, if if there's a breach, a hack or something, it seems like that's the team that's going to be the first ones to get their jobs cut. Yeah. Well, and sometimes not if you bring donuts, right? <laughs> um, and sometimes that is the case. But one of the things we always talk about in our industry, it's not if, it's when you're going to get breached, and mm-hmm. it's mostly how it's handled and the due diligence that organizations do to make sure they're protecting their critical assets and protecting customer and PI data. And really, when you think about all of the breaches that have occurred, there's not been one company that's gone out of business. True. When you look at, people will always talk about reputational risk, but then you can give two examples would be Target and TJ Maxx. They had an initial hit, but by that year end, they had record profits and their stock was higher than it ever had been. Wow. And then what happens, yes. But the thing is, think about it from a consumer's perspective. When When someone hacks your credit card, how much money do you have to pay? None. So when consumers aren't really, the impact isn't to the consumer. If all of a sudden they changed it and said someone put $10,000 on your credit card, now you're responsible to pay for that, then consumers would have a different attitude. And people have a really short memory. And so we do pay pay it for a variety of like all those extra fees that we get charged and everything. But the problem is, is that the impact to individuals isn't strong enough that people really care. Mm -hmm. And think about when you think about TJ Maxx and Target. Target does a lot of advertising. TJ Maxx doesn't really, but their names and their brand were in front of people constantly. So there's other, or, like, other brands that 
they don't do advertising and they don't even care if it's negative. It just puts, if their name is put in the media, people don't necessarily associate the negative with the positive. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that work before. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm just like, <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm like I said, I think of it as a liability. Like, oh, man, someone's right. job is going to get cut. Not if but you bring donuts. If you bring donuts yeah. and you have a... <laughs> A plan on what to do. Then you're good. Yeah. Well, and it's more about how do you handle the breach and what you do to fix yeah, it. because then it's all over social media. Right. Like the target. Right. And that, and they actually benefited from. Well, and really the true loss is actually the, the dollars they lose mostly are from the incident response and forensics and then the credit protection. So I think depending on who, what what you read but the average breach is three to seven million dollars anthem just got i believe fined 26 million dollars for their breach so is that hipaa yes we deal with that Mm -hmm. yeah we deal with that so in healthcare and and if if you've noticed and paid attention a lot of laws are starting to change like california just recently passed something that's very um familiar the gdpr which is the european privacy Mm -hmm. so california just passed that and it'll start to trickle down like doing business in the states of new york and the carolinas they have very strict requirements that you can't do business unless you have certain things in place from a cyber perspective ohio just passed senate bill 220 it's not mandatory, but it gives you safe harbor. If you do X amount of things and you have a breach, then your limit, your limitation of what you have to pay can vary. So it's, you know, it's all over the board. So a lot of it's being mandated where organizations really where the large cost is, is actually p- taking care of and paying for the breach. And when you look at a lot of incident response, you're looking at 350 up to almost $1,000 an hour to do forensics and incident response sometimes up to a thousand depending on who you hire and i've seen up to a thousand dollars yeah a thousand dollars an hour so think about it is that one person yeah what um how do you get that job yeah no (laughs) kidding everybody in this room just (laughs) just got real interested linkedin status is changed (laughs) (laughs) well and if you think about you can't really you can't it's not a sustainable business model because you never know when the next breach is going to occur. I mean, you're right. safe bet that they're going to continue to happen, but you can't predict them. And so normally people that do incident response and forensics, they're expected to drop everything. So if they have other customers, you know, there's an impact in, I mean, and you're paying for bringing the right people because not everyone can do incident response and forensics. And if it needs to go to a court of law, you need to make sure you have someone that can testify and that understands the chain of custody and all of those kinds of things like any crime. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're it's pretty out. interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're out. We're out. <laughs> and then you want to also have to be prepared to testify in front of whoever. And that's Nobody not very fun. Us. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't believe me either. So that's all good. <laughs> I don't have that look. <laughs> the intimidating look. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. No yeah. judge would take me seriously. <laughs> Okay, well, that's exciting. I'm, like, so engrossed. I know. I, I'm, i like, thrown off by the whole, how the liability. You're right, Larry, because the first thing I thought about was the liability that a per- it would fall on that one dude. Yeah. Know? but Hacking around. And <laughs> yeah. And it isn't. So, did you, so you've met with these women. What kind of journeys do they want to go down? Do they want to go, they want the 
They want to go down. They want the thousand dollars. They want. No. <laughs> <laughs> they want the forensic gig. <laughs> you know, it's kind of all over the board. Um, some of them want to go more to like the typical technical components. So you're looking at people that are doing penetration testing, vulnerability assessments, which are basically testing people's systems, infrastructure, cloud, application development, those types of um, environments. And then you have people that are looking at, that are more like on the lines of a CPA or an, a business auditor, where you're looking at what that compliance or regulation is, and that may be looking at control. So security is a people process and technology, and people are the biggest and the weakest link. Because if you plug in a firewall, the firewall doesn't cause the breach itself it's because someone didn't configure it correctly or someone didn't install patches right it's always about people and so because there's so many different you know career paths you can go and all the different ladies they all kind of wanted to take a different career path i hope that we can get more women on the technical on the governor's risk and compliance there's actually quite a few women still not where it needs to be but it's that's a higher percentage but like the typical pen testers, the technical people, those tend to be more men. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I know a couple myself. Do you? Yeah. And Go I, on. out of all the women I know, I think I can count on one hand how many women I know that do pen testing, and they're badass. The one, one, the ones that I know. But it also, I think, takes a certain special kind of female that has to be very strong because they're going to be questioned a lot on their capability. But women actually have a lot of advantages because social engineering is being used. And I remember I went up to a very large manufacturing in Michigan at one point and I was dressed in a suit and I had my little roller bag <laughs> laptop. Um, and the, the, the guard gate told me to go to the wrong building. And so I actually was in their R and D building and because there was a bunch of guys going in, they were being gentlemen and opened the door for me, walked right in never questioned. And I walked into rooms where I saw formulas and all kinds of stuff. And I was actually meeting with their CISO and they had spent all this money on physical security. And I'm like, I don't know if I should tell her this, but I'm like, I probably should. And I thought she's like turned white as a ghost. Um, But I mean, it was just the same thing. I mean, they weren't, they weren't trying to help me be a bad person. They were just trying to be polite. And so a lot of times as a woman, as a technical resource, people don't expect you to be that resource, so you can get away with a lot more. So you heard it here first. We should stop holding doors for women. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> or another one is, like, be, like honestly, be on your phone. I mean, we're all busy? taught, do you interrupt people when they're talking on the phone? I do all the time. It's so rude. But, I mean, we're, you know what I mean? So a lot of people aren't comfortable, so... I've helped with extras where we walked in and stole all kinds of computers because I pretended I was on the phone with someone. No one even questioned what I was doing. Oh, so you were acting like a tech support or something like that? Like yeah. you were helping out and just you social, were offloading the equipment? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. social engineering is the biggest reason, you know, one of the biggest reasons organizations. Just so we're clear that Connie was doing an exercise. She did, wasn't really... Yeah. You have any of those computers? <laughs> <laughs> no, floating. It, it was. Uh, we were actually paid, and we had legal contracts uh, to uh, say that we could do that. Because, interesting enough, one thing people should know is hacking is actually a federal offense, and when if you ever get caught hacking, the um, jail time is in most cases it's longer than someone that's committed rape, murder. Because of the impact. No shit, really? Yeah. So pick your crime. Oh my God, be smart about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And part of it is if you think about the impact, let's say if someone is, has a credit card ring th- you know, theft, 
if they steal millions of dollars and it hurts the economic status of a company or of a country, there's a lot more consequences. And, and so they are, they do it to try to get, avoid people doing that. And, and so when you do any type of cybersecurity stuff, there's very locked down contractual language that basically is saying you're giving that organization permission to do what they're doing. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's intense. So (laughs) going back to the hacking thing, social engineering, uh, for people that follow this industry, Kevin Mitnick is like one of the yes. famous ones of uh, a lot of his stories. He s- served a lot of jail time as well, too, right? Uh, so he was, I believe, I don't know if it's still true, but at the time he was I don't know this um, It's like the famous hacker. Yeah. Like he's oh. the so he, freaking So he was credit card that. theft. And I believe the amount of money that he stole was one of the largest um, American people that did it. And so his choice was either to turn to the good or to the bad or he would probably have been in jail the rest of his life and so now he travels all over the United States and world talking about how to protect an awareness and all of those types of things and another one is um, the the guy from Catch Me If You Can Frank Avangale oh, yeah so I that one. he was kind of before Kevin Minnick but that was more before computers yeah. but he used social engineering to and when he got caught, and actually we had him as one of our keynote speakers at a conference I run here locally in town a couple of years ago, but like Check 21 and the way companies protect checks, he had a lot to do with that and, and putting in controls so that it wasn't so easy to... He was more banking, right? Like on the bank. He did everything. Yeah. He was medical. He did fraud under medical. He did fraud under... Um, banking. He did fraud um, in the airlines. He, oh, I do remember the airlines. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I mean, he was a con artist basically. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and he was like one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And he just a wonderful human being, but he, he shared his story, but he was another one that he turned those skills into um, a positive and really, and still today helps organizations to protect well, that's against good. some of those things. They made a movie about him too. Yeah. Oh, that that's the catch me. Yeah, yeah, and um Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio. was the was him. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't, I've never it seen it. It was based off a true ish yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> now granted like there was, you know, all that wasn't factual because it's a Hollywood movie. But right. right. Um but you should see it. It's really good. So you mentioned and I was gonna mention, but you already did. What um are you on the board? Tell me what conference Sure. I, I never say it right. It's okay. So um, <laughs> I, I got, I got really honest. <laughs> <laughs> I got really involved in the community probably close to 15 years ago. So I sit on the Central Ohio ISSA board, which is Information Security Systems Association. And I also sit on the OWASP board, which is all around application security. See, I never would have said that correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also sit on um, advisory roles for colleges and universities and um high schools talking about cybersecurity programs because by 2021 they're seeing a 3.5 plus million shortage of people in our industry wow so that's another reason why i really want that's why larry keeps having the, kids yeah outreach <laughs> <laughs> um, to women and men but the conference that i've been running for 13 years is the central ohio infosec summit and we bring in 
really big numbers. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brian Krebs. He does Krebs on security. So he's probably one of the most famous bloggers in the cyberspace. And he was one of our keynotes last year. And we actually had a lady from Poland. Her name is Paula J because I cannot pronounce her last name. <laughs> but she's amazing. She's very, very technical. And so we really try to bring in diversity and in, in and having a variety of speakers. But this year we had 1,300 people. Yeah. Larry, I'm proud of my 744, 745 yeah. at the Columbus. This fine lady is busting out 13, 1,500, 2,000 people. Not that many people. <laughs> and I'm over here like, whoop, whoop, 744. You got to start somewhere. Right. I know, right? But you, you should be proud of that because, I mean, when I started it, it was with a couple other people. It was two tracks and about 200 people, 250. And in 13 years, it's gone from that eight tracks, 1,300 people. Do oh. you miss the more simplistic times? <laughs> you know, um, I, I did event planning for a living for like five years, and I opened my big mouth at a golf outing saying that I did event planning, and I've not been able to get away from it <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's there's so much. It's all about community and networking and bringing people together. And for a local conference to bring that many people um, is amazing. And we, we have people from other parts of the country come in. And we, you know, we got recognized by ISIS International for some of our accomplishments. And I was really shocked and surprised, but I actually won a few years ago um, Volunteer of the Year for uh, ISSA for, for International. Why are you shocked by that? Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's like huge. Why would you be shocked? Well, it's just, I mean, because I'm one of these people, I just do what I think needs to be done, and I don't really care about all of the recognition because I but feel see, like I'm doing the right thing. But see, that's what it means more when you don't do yeah. it for the recognition. Yeah. It's from the heart. Yeah. The heart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. So I have, I have a million questions. I was letting Elizabeth. Oh, go ahead. No, no. So I know there's the cybersecurity on a big company scale. What about for like personal is there some of the things that you larry you should give her like a little background larry's a big startup guy big startup <laughs> guy do you know the business script drop mm-hmm. that's that guy he he was part co-founder. of the startup. i'm not a part of it anymore so no. i can't i can't well, you walked away but you were one of the founding people yeah i was a co-founder drop. so co-founder cover my meds cover my meds yeah and that's that dude nice so I've had my fair share of working at places, you, but yeah, you got to give Connie some context of why you're asking about startups. Uh, yeah, that's a. I was thinking from when you said the the bill being passed for uh, Ohio. Is there some things that you know, even from the smaller companies, like maybe some of these companies here in Rev One, that they should be paying attention to or doing their due diligence on, yeah. or even from Rev One from investing. Is there some stuff that investors should be oh, paying that's attention? True. to? Yeah. So it's interesting. So I recently. There's two companies, so I actually started my own um, company along with um, Sean Sines and Ed McCabe around information security. So the part that I'm majority owner is building awareness and training in cybersecurity because that's with the shortage of people, we need to build people up and, and teach them the skills to do that. And we, in our philosophy is that we don't want to just do the work. We want to make sure that we're training people and disseminating knowledge and knowledge transfer. So when we leave, people can continue securing their environments. But with the new company, um, Rubicon Advisor Group, we're actually working with about six or seven Rev1 companies, Perfect. helping them build well, out that. their security. 
So, what was the name of it again? Because you kind of glance over it kind of fast. You don't you say those things slow and make sure people understand. Sure. What so <laughs> <laughs> there's two companies. So the the Rubicon Advisor Group is consulting services, and then that's the, Connie's. No, that's the that's owned by. Um, Sean Sines and Ed McCabe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then I am um, a majority owner of the Rubicon Educational Services oh. and Technology Company. I okay, I um, see. We call it REST. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but we're, you know, I'm working with a lot of the CISOs here locally that will, some of them are going to be on my advisory board and we're really figuring out how can we help small, mid-sized companies up to very large enterprises attract more talent bring the right talent and Columbus is such a technology hub and it's like this vicious circle of people just going around 270 and changing Mm -hmm. jobs and so working with leadership in this in this city to figure out how we can build better programs and better you know better systems and working with startups and working with small and mid-sized companies because what's interesting is though they may not have regulations or compliance issues themselves, but if you work with someone that has healthcare or financial or insurance, they're now required to give you a third-party risk management questionnaire that says, what are you doing from security? And if they, you don't have those same standards, they should not be doing business with these mm. small companies. So security used to be just for publicly traded companies or government entities, or like the PCI, which is the credit card, but now it kind of impacts everybody because depending on who you do business with, they're going to require you to think about security. Wow. So speaking of which, Connie knows where we work. Mm-hmm. Where do we work? Xspeed Software. That's right. You're going to come and educate us? Sure, absolutely. See? She's going to come in. She said for us. a low, low fee. Yeah. <laughs> for the low, for a <laughs> Yeah. For a nominal fee. Yeah. We just uh, we just provide some drinks. We'll be good. Yeah. B- bourbon. Bourbon. And actually, we're talking about how we can partner together With already. Speed, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What about, uh, going back to my other question from like startups and everything, what about on a personal level? Like of uh, just personal cybersecurity because now we have so many devices in our house and we have everything from outdated smart TVs that might be ratting us out to everything else. Like what, Big brother? Well, I mean, you never know. Like you uh, never know. I have my my ways of going about I it. I think the Echo, whatever those things are, the Amazon. House, I have one. You think they're listening all the time? <laughs> it lights up randomly, no. and I'm like. Well, you must just recorded that. Your command of the English language must not be that strong. (laughs) You might say a lot of things that sound like Alexa, so I get confused. But no, if you if you have one of those on your network and you have like a some type of um, but then your credit card is associated with it, right? Like you what through your your Amazon account. Yeah, like I have an Amazon Prime account. Mm-hmm. So do I. So does so, everybody. Yes. So <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. It's like a hell of a deal, and I get my points. So, yeah. If I'm like, hey Alexa. Yeah. yeah so what I always house. try to tell people is that you know I've done a lot of awareness training um, to different groups, and I always tell I say you know when you leave here, nothing's changed. The world's not falling. You know, the sky is not falling, whatever you, however cliche you want to use. And I'm really bad with cliches, but (laughs) it's about due diligence personally and professionally. So it's about making the right decisions. And I mean, we've all known about passwords. Mm -hmm. So for example, 
you know, if you, most of the time, like you have the, uh, what are the, um, for your electric and, uh, all those the nest, all the nests. Yeah. They have for you. And then like, you know, I bought a furnace and it's all computerized. I can control things from my phone. And so a lot of people will just put in a weak password and they don't lock down the controls. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. But like I, you know, because I'm a little over paranoid, I mean, I have mine segmented and <laughs> same, same. I, thought, yeah. I was waiting for and, you to say that. But <laughs> and, you know, like my password for my or like my personal home, I think, is 72 long. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's about due diligence. And, you know, I always tell people like with credit cards, it's you should look at those things, because if you look at them, you're going to notice I mean, you have to look at small things because a lot of times they'll try to put like a dollar or a couple, like something that people don't notice mm-hmm. just to test it. And then the next thing you know, they're trying to write, get something for $10,000 or 20000 or whatever. So it's really about, you know, it's kind of like I always talk about security um, has never changed from day one. And one of the questions I always ask people, and I'll ask you, like, how were the crown jewels protected back way back in the day like what kind of controls did they have in place they ha- it was under a box monitoring monitoring cameras check in check well out. before technology oh so i mean if think there about, was a dude standing there so there were remote ma- there were remotes there were gates there mm-hmm. was sometimes like they would put alligators in right. the, the so well you're talking it, way medieval yeah times. but that's what i'm saying like security the fundamentals haven't changed mm-hmm. so like even like the trojan horse you know, they came in, but you would never want to have parties. single, you never want to have single points of failure. Right. And the same thing with your house, like you have a lock and then some people may have an alarm, but you know, again, it's just, how do you look at security and have layers and the more layers that you have, the harder it is for them to crack. Nothing is uncrackable, but their goal is to have people move on. They'll probably come back, but hopefully by the time they come back, you also have more controls in place. And now you're seeing, like, when I first started in security, the line of fraud was so low, companies did, honestly, they didn't care because it wasn't worth them investing. And now that has gone so far above the line. So have you ever noticed, like, when you log into a website from a different location and you try to buy something or just, well, Devin, like... I get a notice. Right. And then what do they do? They give you like a five or six digit like a code. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like multi-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people, some people will argue what that means. But in the likeliness that someone would have stolen your laptop and your cell phone are pretty... Pretty low. Pretty low. Now, could it happen? Yes. But then even on my phone, like on my iPhone, after 10 tries, it wipes my phone. Mm-hmm. That's why I make sure I back up to the cloud. And... As soon, so if someone stole my phone, I could disable that right away. If I didn't know right away, after 10 times, it completely wipes my phone. So it's different things that you can do to control how people have access to data, like password vaults or something I recommend because they're encrypted, and some of those have been hacked too. Um, so again, there's nothing that's not hackable, but the more safety precautionary things that you do, yeah, think about hoops. even cars now, like my car to some degree, can drive by itself. Right. I don't really trust it. And we've seen cases where self-driving cars can be very dangerous <laughs> yeah. um, as well. But, I mean, it's, again, it's like almost that risk versus reward. What are you willing to give up 
for safety. Right. Um, and some people don't care. Some people do care. I'm a little more paranoid than the average person because I've seen a lot of crazy things in my career. But, but I still have to live my life, and I don't leave it in fear. I'm ready for our robot overlords, by the way. So I'm ready for the self-driving. And I would totally be ready to do like this, lean back. <laughs> so I'm a little bit more on the other side, even though I know the crazy stuff that can happen. But uh, I'm for progress. Well, even like, you know, it's interesting. We've had conversations about this. So think about like whoever is writing the application to dictate if there were three, like four scenarios of, what the car was going to do. One would be it would save your life. Mm-hmm. Two would be it hit a tree. Mm-hmm. Three would be it would hit an older couple. Mm-hmm. Four would be hitting a white a mom and her kids or old versus young. And then you, that also is interpreted if there's not the right controls. It's left up to the person that wrote the application. And what if that person didn't like certain people? Mm-hmm. So how do you, I mean, now we're putting points about <laughs> use on no, people's lives. And so, I mean, and, and it's going to happen, but it's like those are the types of things that, you know, because that's the problem is we all have separate brains and humans are not predictable. Yeah. They are to some extent, but they're really not. And there's so many other things that can factor in why people make decisions that they do. And I mean, that's where we have individual brains. So that's where it gets a little wacky. And I, I don't want to go too philosophical, uh-huh. but, but, it's, it. um, but it's just, I mean, again, it's you're willing to take the risk for the reward, but mm-hmm. some other people may not. Yeah, and I totally get that. I'm more, I, I see it as that's a smaller problem. And now I get to the point of, we don't have to worry about people being on their cell phones in the car. Right. You know, so that's why so it takes care it. of one problem, yeah. but creates new ones. Right. Yeah. And I think that that problem would probably be so low if we have car. I know that's just a, a use case, but, um, but I think I ask, problems like that, you yeah. know, maybe I'm, I'm up for the, uh, a big bus. I'm, I think the, the amount of cars that we have on the road is ridiculous with only one person in them, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm up for a big a, bus. Or, yeah, or, you Be, know, they, you've seen you the driving? pods. Yeah. Yeah, have you Struggle? seen the little yes. pods? When they or the ones that drive over, they sit higher up, so they drive over all the accidents. And yeah, and all that, that. Well, and the thing is, is, and this is more security, I think, in my opinion, becomes even more critical because when you think about if all of the cars on the road are being, they all have IPs, mm-hmm. they all are connected digitally. So... If And we've already seen, like, Jeep's been hacked. I think GM's been hacked and some of the other brands. But just think about as we make the progression, if half of the cars are can be, like, hacked into and all of them go from zero to or 100 to zero, mm-hmm. and then all the other cars don't have that. I mean, we see on 270 how you're going 70 miles an hour, and then it's, like, a complete stop. Right. And reacting to that. So, I mean, if someone, and if someone could take over and drive your car and you have no control over that. Like I'm, I'm one of these people. I, I have to feel like I have some control. No, I get um, control so, issues. But I mean, one of, with you. But one of the things issues. is with that is that most of these, like when you look at like medical devices and you look at all these technologies, people want at the people want convenience at a rapid pace. But what happens is security is an afterthought or they don't do anything until something happens. Right. And that's part that concerns me, where if we could get to a point where everyone was building in security from an architectural standpoint, from initiation of anything, project, 
technology, product, whatever that is, then some of those things are less likely to happen. But the hackers are, it's organized crime. They have unlimited resources, unlimited money. So every time we apply a control to make it better, they're going to find another way. Mm -hmm. So like chip and pin and credit cards, Europe has been using that forever. And in Europe, they never take your credit card away. All the credit contractions are in front of you. And a lot of restaurants now have those portable things, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are freaked out about it because that's not the way we're used to spend. But, and there's problems with that because it's wireless, and if it's not configured cr- correctly, yeah. then all of it, your credit card data is in the open that people could read that know how to do that. Yeah. Um, so like, no matter what we do, there's always a way to break in. But the more controls we have in place, the better or less likely that it could be breached. Yeah, we just need more people like you. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> So you clone yourself. Connies. Talk to Elon and cl- clone yourself. There I you know go. he doesn't do any cloning, but I'm pretty sure go. he'd be up You know for what? It. I mean, we're like, what? Not even two weeks out from Christmas. We could ask Santa for a bunch of Connies. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was in high school, I actually did, uh, in my advanced biology class, we did a cloning exercise with carrots. And I was the only one in the class that didn't, um, it was the only one in the class that actually was successful in cloning carrots. Well, that should be on your, that should be on your resume. That should be. carrots. <laughs> Skill set. Yeah. <laughs> Cloning people. So, there yeah. you go. Working my way up. All right. Connie, what else do you, you want to do a shout out here? You want to shout out for, you got a conference date yet for next year? Yes. 2019? May, May 23rd and 24th of 2019 it's the thursday friday before memorial day fantastic fantastic get with it has theirs on september 30th yes 2019 look at us wow planning out yeah planning ahead yeah when it gets speakers and stuff you really need to plan ahead yeah yeah it's easier when you plan ahead yeah so we need to brand out one more time give your company a shout out Sure. So Run Edition, or sorry, I can't even talk today. <laughs> so cancel Run Edition. <laughs> but uh, it's a Rubicon advisory group and the Rubicon educational services and training. Do you have a website? Yes. So you're going to make me say this because it's really long. Yeah. So yeah. for the advisory group, it's www.therubiconadvisorygroup.com. That's not that bad. And then... Yeah. For um, the educational, it's uh, www.rest-services.com. Okay. Okay. So that one's a little easier. But, that one, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, it's all about we all have to do our part and support one another. And, like, for me, I always will have a passion to support bringing more diversity and inclusion into the technology fields. Well, you're awesome. Yeah, this has been great. I learned this a lot. Is, yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. I feel that I'm... Ugh. So now you can be me, right? I, well, I don't know about that. I don't, even know, I don't even know if I could be your shoe. But, oh, boy. Um, I have lots of shoes. So you, have, you can ask my husband that. He's like, oh, my God, if you buy another pair of shoes, I swear. Oh, I have um, a shoe fetish. Too. We'll talk about that offline. Yeah. That could be. That could I think that's weird. a typical woman. Shoes and purses, I think. That's I right. Know. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Connie, thank you so much for joining us. And we have have a, a side note that this is our last episode for 2018. We will be back on starting Monday, January 7th. 
we will have start back up 2019. Darren just gave me the thumbs up that that's the right 7th January. So everybody have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we will see you next year. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. We will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.